Hello and welcome to the PSPA podcast, which is kindly brought to you by Pavers Foundation in memory of Mary Yule. I'm Liz Sturgis, a PSPA volunteer. Today we'll be talking about taking on a challenge in honour of a loved one living with PSP. Katie Buttrell joins us for this episode to talk about the step and awareness challenge that she's taken on in honour of her mum, who was diagnosed with PSP in 2020, just a few weeks before the pandemic lockdown was brought in. Welcome, Katie. And to get things started, tell us a little bit about your mum, what's she like, and when did she first start to show symptoms of PSP? Hi. Um, uh, well, mum was um, a very sociable person. She always liked to have a chat. She always kept herself busy um, and active. She liked walking, um, keeping fit, Pilates, um, being outside, gardening. Um, we did a lot of things together, going to the theatre and the ballet. Um, so, yeah, she was, she, there was always, you know, something going on. Um, and thinking about the first signs of PSP, it's when you look back, you sort of can think a bit more about it. Yes. Um, yes. But I, we think sort of maybe back to 2016, mum was sort of just very subtle signs that something was not quite right. Mm. We thought a bit of low mood. Um, in 2017, she had a mini stroke, a TIA. Yeah. Now, we'll never know if that, is or was connected to to PSP but following that um she started to complain that her speech wasn't right and at that time we couldn't hear any differences it sounded okay but mm. she seemed conscious that something wasn't right um and then feeling when she got up to to move um sort of setting off feeling wobbly um so and then I think over the next couple of years just becoming a bit withdrawn socially not coping well in larger groups of people she would tend to take herself off um and very tired I remember often finding her asleep at you know in the middle of the day um yeah. and feeling really fatigued um and I think those were the first the first signs that that we saw probably back 2017 2018 yes but all signs easily attributable to the TIA, presumably. Yeah. Um, could, could link them to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's only now, looking back, that I can see clearly that they were the start or definitely symptoms of, of PSP. Mm. Um, but at the time, we didn't know. There were, were The GP was investigating for lots of, um, you know, balance issues in her ear and things like that. And she kept going back to the doctor Um and check it having her ears syringed at things but um yeah <laughs> okay so how did the PSP diagnosis come about and and then with the lockdown being brought in so soon afterwards how did that impact um your family yeah um well as I just mentioned mum kept going back to the GP because she knew it, things weren't right with her speech with her balance and her general just not managing things as well she'd always been yes. very organized particularly with like her, her admin and her accounts and things just seemed harder um but there was and they did they did keep investigating but nothing came up and then um as part of that, as part of the balance, um, the GP suggested she go to the optician just for a, um, a checkup. Mm -hmm. And the optician picked up on um, 
her eye movements that her eyes weren't moving up and down as, yes. as they should they should do and I think the optician put referral back into the GP um, and then it, I think the GP had referred a for a, a neuro consultation and then the neuro ophthalmologist for, for her eyes as well and this sort of all came about in early 2020 yeah. first of all we had the ophthalmology appointment and that was the first time that in his report that PSP was mentioned because of the the difficulty okay. in her in her gaze yeah. um and then we had the the consultation with the with the neuro consultant um and he said, yeah, I think you've got PSP. Um, he did a bit of a balance test on her. Um, and then it said, somebody will be in touch and sort of rushed us out. And that was that. And then the two days later, we all went into lockdown. Oh, um, yeah. So we were sort of left Googling this thing that nobody had ever heard of. And of course, it brings up lots of horror stories. Um, and he'd, the doctor had said, you know, somebody will be in touch. Well, nobody was in touch. And within yeah. that short, probably within the next month, mum showed real signs of deteriorating, particularly in her mobility. She had a couple of falls. Yes. Um, and we we realised that it, the idea of not visiting her was more dangerous than me continuing to visit her, um, which is what we decided to do um so yeah it was we were we were very much left feeling that we were on our own and very worried about what was going to happen and how quickly it was going to happen and it was clear that mum was was starting to struggle being at home on her own yes that was a very difficult timing for you wasn't it just at the mm -hmm. beginning of lockdown when no medical services quite knew how they were operating and yeah and I mean, you know, you think back now and you can see how it was it was an unknown for, for everybody, really. Mm. Uh, but not having the the joined up services that you would normally have experienced, I think, um, not just for us, I'm sure for other people, it must have had a really detrimental effect. Yes. And uh, did you do you live near mum? Or is it a yeah. distance? Yeah, no, I'm fortunate, um, sort of 10, 15 minute walk, two oh. minutes in the car. So I'm near and there are other family members who, who live um, near her as well. So there was support around her yes. um, and we did the best we could. Yeah. <laughs> but I think back to that, those times then in the beginning when I really felt we we're on our own and mum, she started to have falls more regularly. Um, and I was like, what, what's going to happen if one day she just can't get out of bed? And, you know, what, who, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to manage? And it was quite, you know, you get through it because you have to do, don't you? You just mm. keep going. Um, but I think when I think, think back to it now, it's, um, it was probably quite traumatic, really. Yeah. I think you were, also, you were, you, I mean, you were dealing with a very difficult diagnosis, but you're also dealing with how do we manage the pandemic? Yeah. As we all were. And, the two mm -hmm. together, gosh, yeah, terrible yeah. timing. Uh, so did you and your family receive any support from PSPA during this time? Yes. Um, so I, I found PSPA through one of my many searches about <laughs> PSP. Um, yes. And 
at that time when we didn't have any other support, um, they were they really were a lifeline, um, providing emotional and practical support for, for us. Um, I mean, I remember a, um, at least one occasion just phoning up and just crying down the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even sure what I was asking or but I just I just needed to talk to somebody. Um, so they were a great help, particularly in the beginning and could um, talk us through questions that we had um, and yes. also give advice. Um, but even further on, even once, I mean, it was probably from March right until the summer before all the other services like the, the OT and the physio and it got involved with mum. But the PSPA, I regularly would call. There was a point where I had to go back to work. So I'd been going and, and caring and helping mum. And yes. I had to, schools went back. I had to go back into work. And it was like, oh, what, what do I do? <laughs> how, how do we manage this, um, this change again? Um, and they were always able to give really, really good advice. Say, right, you need to, you know, apply for attendance allowance or you need to, um, you need to think about carers now. Um, so the, and all the way along with all the changes, um, they've just been in, invaluable um, to helping and listening and um, sort of keeping us in the right in the right direction. <laughs> With PSP, you constantly, the goalposts are always changing. You just yeah. think, oh, right, we've got a, a, a rail on the stairs. And then next week you think, oh, now we need handrails in the shower. Um, so you, you're always trying to be one step ahead, yes. um, but also trying to enjoy the moment and live in the moment and not think too much ahead as well. So it's, um, it, it is a constantly constantly changing the, the things that you, you're dealing with mm. and that's hard to keep to keep up with <laughs> yes I also think having had some contact with other people that it isn't always very clear what help is available and what should be available um, I was directed to the the community nurse district nurse um, by a friend whose mum had had um, MSA is it um, and she put me in touch with with the nurse and I put her in touch with the Parkinson's nurse who was the movement disorder nurse and we've said to each other it you know we shouldn't it shouldn't have just relied on us knowing each other to be able to pass on that information um, and maybe Covid had something to do with it I don't know but I think it, it's not it's not always as joint care isn't always as joined up as it should be and you shouldn't have to be doing your own research to find out what you need to do or what you have to do um and I think that's something that the PSPA have a lot of information about but sometimes putting that into a real situation is is different again yes and services can vary around the country so yeah yeah, yeah. I think from the the different people that have been in contact with mum, thinking carers as well, um, and also extending to friends and things, um, that PSP isn't dementia. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, in in the beginning, that we did have some thoughts that that might be something that mum had, but 
um, that that the person needs time to process a question um, and time to formulate their answer. Um, but that person is is still, you know, my my mum is still there. You can have a, a laugh with her and you can have a joke and you can have a bit of fun. Um, but she needs she needs to be given time and an understanding of how to to communicate to enable her to communicate as well when people go into care homes the care staff assume that they've got dementia because mm -hmm. they don't respond quickly and actually they they for the most part haven't a few people will have of course but mm. um, they'll have co-presentations co but um you know they they have the memories and they have the short-term memories and they have the long-term memories and they can respond but as you say it's the having the time to respond mm. isn't it yeah. yeah I know mum had some respite in the summer um in the home and it, it wasn't a positive it wasn't the positive experience that we hoped it would be um because it was one nursing home that I didn't realize at the time that was um most of the residents did have dementia um, so she found that very overwhelming and quite scary. And mm. I think you're right that the staff there were so used to dealing with people with dementia, even though I'd explained, you know, she doesn't have dementia and, and things, um, that they did they did talk to her as if she had that. Um, the place where she is now has a separate um, floor for nursing, residential and dementia. Mum's on the nursing floor. Right. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a very different experience. It's very quiet. Um, it's not busy and, and hectic. Um, and all of the staff, they, they talk to her in a very, in a very normal way. Um, and they, they have a good handle on how to phrase questions and things like that. And, um, and I think, Again, that's that's the the care, isn't it? The level of care that can help someone to, even with this horrible thing, to to try and live the best that they can. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's that is 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 important. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Moving on, you decided to take on a challenge this month uh, to help raise awareness of PSP. How did you decide what to do and when to do it? Um, I think I, 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 I thought I wanted to do, to do something. Um, my actual inspiration and motivation comes from... Um, uh, I'm not, I follow a forum that's um, about PSP and on there I've um, met virtually um, a man called yes. Tim Brown. He lives in America and yes. he has PSP um, and he's works very hard to, to create awareness. Um, and I, I thought, you know, he's doing so much here. He puts a lot of things on YouTube. He's written books um, to really promote research so that one day there will be a survivor of, of PSP um, yes. and I thought this is this is really important um, another thing was that um, 
mum um in october moved into a into a home and the new gp came to update her um advanced care plan yes. and he'd never heard of psp and right. i thought how can and this is uh, from what i understand this is there are a lot of medical professionals who who don't know about psp yes, and i thought but how how can somebody come and have a conversation about someone's end of life wishes when they don't know anything about the condition that this person is living with. Yes. Um, so I think all of these little bits sort of made me feel that, um, you know, I I wanted to do something, no matter how small, just to try and, um, and raise awareness of, of PSP and give something back to the PSPA who'd, who'd helped us so much as well. Um, and I didn't fancy skydiving. <laughs> and I thought that um, walking is something that's helped me a lot through lockdown with all of the things we've had to deal with, um, yeah. being outside and keeping moving as I've found it, it beneficial. Um, and it's something that mum and I, through all of our life together, we've we've done a lot. We've got let, a lot of pleasure from. So yes. it linked it linked with me to mum as well. Um, so yeah, I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do do that um, and post things on on social media to help spread awareness as well. And um, yeah, yeah, sounds like sort of lots of things came together to help you make that decision. And mm. and it's lovely that you could choose something that has a, a direct link with mum as well, isn't it? It's yeah, it's nice. Um, so you're coming towards the end of the month and how has it been going and what do you feel has been the hardest part and also the best part of doing it i think the hardest part has been the weather yes it's been <laughs> terrible hasn't it yeah particularly this last weekend it was quite grim um but yeah uh so the weather hasn't helped and, and finding the time um you know because i work and i have children and visiting mum and things so some days it was quite easy to achieve the steps that I wanted to I've, I've, I have done it every day I've, I've done the the number of steps I said I would and on some days I've done way over um but yeah I think finding the time um I felt quite motivated all the way through and I think that's once you start doing more you it, it sort of becomes easier to yes. to want to go further as well um but fitting it in has been has been tricky um, um, and I think the best thing is it, the support that we've had has just been overwhelming um, messages from from friends and family um, saying, you know, how proud they are and keep going and you're doing great. That's really spurred me on. And also friends getting in touch to say, can, can I come and walk with you? So I've been posting selfies of, of us um, during the walks, which has oh. been great have come and, and joined in and made the time and the effort to do that as well oh that's great um and then the donations that people have made as well people have been so generous and i think it says a lot um about what people think of mum how well loved and liked she is um so yeah that's been that's been really really moving as well um to see support from from people around us that's great. And, and what is your step challenge each day? So it was, um, I said I would do 12,500 steps every day, which is roughly 10, 10K a day. Right. Um, so, 
yeah, um, that's that's what I said I would do, and I have. And as I said, some days I've done a lot more than that as well. So yeah, I'm pleased. It's quite a time commitment, isn't it, to do that amount? Yeah. Wow. Um, and so on social media, what sort of response have you had there when you share information and facts about PSP? Um, I think one has been, you know, the support that people have shown. Um, and I've had people, friends coming back and saying that they know somebody who's been diagnosed as well. Um, so I was able to point people in the direction of the PSPA um, if they needed that extra support. Um, and also people coming to me and saying that from the information or from being directed to website that they understand more about my mum's condition. And, and because it's it is something that we've never heard of it. A lot of people haven't heard of it. And it's it's hard to explain. I tend to sort of say it's a mix of Parkinson's and motor neuron. And but it, it, it doesn't really tell people what what it is no. and the, the difficulties for somebody um living with that so i think yeah that people have come back and said they they know a bit more or they've they've taken the time to look it up and and find out a little bit more about it that's what i you know what i hoped to achieve so yeah it's good that's encouraging that people are taking the time to do that isn't it mm. that's great Well, thank you, Katie. It sounds like you're making a real impact with the awareness raising and the fundraising. Thanks for taking on the challenge for PSPA. We'll keep a look out on social media for details of how the challenge finishes. So good luck um, with the last few days of it. Also, if you'd like to take on a challenge to raise funds and improve your fitness, get in touch with our fundraising team at fundraising at pspassociation.org.uk. And they will be able to give you lots of ideas and support. And if you want to access support about PSP, uh, you can call the helpline, which is 0300 0110 or email helpline at pspassociation.org.uk. Mm -hmm.